Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor and on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us today, especially if you're watching online for the very first time, or maybe you're a guest in here, and we're honored that you're here. We have so many new people and so many new families. It's been a blessing just to meet everybody. And so if you are new or if you're what we call a guest, you are a guest. You're not a visitor. You're a guest. And so you're a guest in our home. We're so glad that you're here. I would encourage you to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience, and, and really, you need to go to a place a few times to get an idea of what it's like. I mean, you know, sometimes you go to a restaurant, and you're like, I don't know if that was good. Sometimes you got to give them another shot. Because maybe they had something wrong that day. And so uh, come in and check us out. Hopefully we can be your spiritual family. If you are watching online, uh, do us a favor. Like, comment, share, maybe even leave a review. We'd love for you to actually just be a participatory person, even online, inside of our experience. We have hundreds of people who watch online every weekend, and we're so glad that you're with us and a part of our family. Uh, We highly encourage you, if you are, just to highlight, if you are waiting to come back, we'd love for you to come back. We're honored that you would think about coming back. Um, I always say do two things. Number one, have a conversation with your family about when you're going to do it. Make a date. Get it in your calendar. Easter is next weekend, so that could be a great opportunity for you to do that. And we've got plenty of services. And just make sure, my second thing, just make sure that the local church is not the last place that you go. And so we'd love for you to do that and be a part. Today we are wrapping up a series today called The Shocking Statements of Jesus. And uh, we've been looking at the person of Jesus. I'm committed as a church, we're committed as a church to speak at least one time, one series a year on the person and the man of Jesus. Because how many of y'all know, without Jesus, this thing don't exist. Without Jesus, we don't have Hope. With with Jesus, we have light instead of darkness. With Jesus, we have life instead of death. With Jesus, we have a, a, a hope and a future. We have a not just a heaven one day. Come on, someday in heaven. We have a heaven now. God can do some things in us now. But, however, okay, exclamation point, like, hold on. We, we, we need to see him accurately. We have to know who he was so that he can be who he is in our lives today. And so we're talking through some of these crazy statements because sometimes we can just get Jesus misunderstood. How many of y'all have ever said something and it was misunderstood or you said something and it didn't always come, it didn't come across right? Come on, like, just like pretend like you did something wrong this weekend. Okay, great. I got a few people who are honest. God's looking at you. Anyway, and so like, you know, we, we know that sometimes things can be said or taken out of context. And the shocking part about this Bible, can I just say something on behalf of like Christians everywhere, especially if you're not a Christian? This is a confusing book. Like the Bible is a confusing book and it wasn't written to you and I. It was written to first century Hebrew people. A lot of times, so there's Jewish in here and there's Greek in here and there's Aramaic in here and it wasn't written to Christians in the 21st century in America who, come on, like are differently thought, trained, grew up different. Like y'all don't have the same traditions that they don't. So when Jesus said stuff, we're like, that's good, Jesus. That sounds like it might make sense. But It's kind of confusing. And so what we wanted to do is open up the scriptures and read some of his statements. Today, I saved, I think, I think, I think, the best for last. Okay. And here's what's so cool about this statement. Okay. This statement that Jesus said to us today, and we're going to read it. It's in Matthew chapter 7. You have your Bibles. Go there. It's going to be, this is going to make sense to you almost instantly right off the bat. And then I'm going to mess with you a little bit because I like to do that. All right. But I'm going to give you some context of what's going on because this statement and this scripture is the most quoted scripture right now. It just is. Used to be John 3.16. Anybody know John 3.16? Come on, like, everybody, you know, had it. Tebow had it on his, you know, his eyes. And, you know, we just, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Come on, come on. Y'all know that one, right? Y'all, everybody knows that. You don't have to be a Christian to know that one. Today's verse is even easier and even simpler because we all know it. 
even though we really don't know what it means. So Matthew chapter 7, we're all going to say it together because it just feels good. It's going to be good today. All right, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, and it says, all right, here y'all ready for the shocking statement? Do not judge or you too will be judged. I like how the King James Version says, judge not. Everybody say, judge not. Oh, this is good. Y'all are going to have some fun today. Judge not. And then he says this word in the King James version of it because everything sounds weird, but it sounds more holy. I like it. It sounds to me like this is how God might say it. Lest you be judged. Anybody use the word lest recently? Anybody? No one ain't nobody used that word lest. Pastor Jason, you used it. But I no one else used that word lest you be judged. So it's the greatest statement that not even like you don't even have to love God. You never read the Bible, you never been to church, but you know this verse because you said it to someone after they said something to you. Come on, look at your neighbor right now. We're going to have some fun, okay? Look at your neighbor right now and say, don't judge me, all right? Go ahead, go ahead, just say it. Go ahead. Don't judge me. Yeah, don't judge me. Don't, what, don't, be, don't, be, don't be looking at me with your judging. All right, look at your other neighbor, the one you didn't pick and you didn't want to talk to. Tell them, don't judge me. Say, don't judge me. Don't you judge me. You don't know me, right? Isn't that how we do it? Like we, you go, and, then, and then they go, where'd you get that? You know, God, the Bible, Jesus. You know, this is where he said it. But then Jesus kind of ruins it because he explains what he says, which is fascinating because Jesus didn't explain a lot of things. But this is the one he explains. He goes in verse 2, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then he goes on to explain it in a story. He says, why do you, uh, or an example, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Clearly, he's not talking about actual sawdust and wood. What he's saying is, you know this, you get that, you, you get, y'all are smart, you get this. But like, you get that he's saying, why would you bring up somebody else's issue? When you got a whole lot of issues, if you were smart, you wouldn't judge them. If I were you, when it comes to judgment, this is going to be kind of the key statement for us today is you better be careful. You better be, you better be careful. Verse 4, he says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your yard. Let me fix your problems. When all the time there's a plank in your own eye, when you, like, let me fix your problem. Don't worry about my problems. I'm good. You ain't good. I have figured out with the Bible. This is what we do, too, as Christians. So if you ain't a Christian in here, you can relax. But if you are a Christian, this is our problem. We take the Bible and we use it as a microscope on, po- on people. And we go, look, look, this is where you, you got issues. Oh, and then you got an issue. Oh, yeah, you, you really got it. Wow. You, mean, you got some issues. And we use it as a microscope to kind of, you know, like a magnifying glass. We're trying to look at people's problems. When it was designed to be a mirror... So that you can see your own problems and your own issues. And if you looked at it like that, you would never say nothing about nobody ever. Because you realize we all here but a grace, right? Everybody said, but grace. Yeah, but grace, we are here. Like, if there was no Jesus, that's why we celebrate Jesus. Come on. This is the Passover weekend. At this point, 2,000 years ago, Jesus is riding in as a king, and people are worshiping him. The government is worshiping him. People are worshiping. Pharisees love him. There's only a few people who are plotting against him. And he's walking in, and they're screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, God save us. Blessed is he. Come on. Comes. 
in the name of the Lord. And Jesus says, you hypocrite, first take the blank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly remove the speck from your, from your brother's eye. Don't, don't judge me. That's the title of my message today. If you're taking notes, which you should, I hope you do. The title of my message today is, don't judge me. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I'm happy that I'm here. And Lord, you're going to speak to us today in, in a way only you can. And Lord, I, I thank you, God, that, that what, what, a, what a privilege it is to stand on this platform. What a privilege it is to be in the local church. It's a privilege to stand and worship in your presence. It's a privilege to be in your word, God. It's a privilege to live in a country that still allows us to freely worship. It's a privilege to call ourselves Christians. It's a privilege to know you intimately, and today you're going to speak like you've never spoken before. I pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody says... Amen. I have five young boys. Any parents out there? Raise your hand if you're online. Come on, make some noise if you're a parent. Make some noise. Come on, like you just get it all out. We're all a part of the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the fraternity, the sorority of people who are barely hanging on. I, I talked to someone the other day who their kids have moved on out of their house. I said, it gets better, right? And they said, it just gets harder. Because now all the worries you have when they're kids, now you worry about them as adults. Now they can go do stuff that's really dumb. <laughs> We're all barely hanging on. I have five young boys. The interesting thing about having a family of boys is that there's testosterone everywhere. Every once in a while, i got to wrestle with them and let them know, still, I'm Mufasa, right? You Simba, I'm Mufasa. Every once in a while, I have like a parenting technique that I would share with all the people in the world. It's like every once in a while, you just got to like just, just handle business with your, your sons. Just let them know that you're still king of the jungle, right? And so, um, but every once in a while, I realize that I just need to retreat. So me and my wife have a parenting technique. You can borrow it if you would like. When we get tired of our kids, we go to our room, we lock the door, and we say, don't talk to us, don't come in there, don't, don't, do not knock on that door unless someone is bleeding and hurting. And if you're bleeding, my wife always says, don't get my blood, your blood on my carpet. That's what she always says. She says that kind of stuff. And so anybody else like us, right? Y'all just retreat. Y'all have your own thing. That's why some of y'all go to the restroom, right? Y'all hide. And you all of a sudden you see those little fingers. Come on, y'all know the little fingers. And come on, you're like, I'm trying to go to the rest. Anyway, so um, the other day we were in our room. And we were retreated. We had retreated to our room. And all of a sudden, I hear it. I have five young boys, 13-year-old, all the way down to a four-year-old. My four-year-old is interesting. He, my four-year-old has not figured out that he's not in control yet. He'll get it. Um, just give it time. But he has not figured it out. And some kids are a little more, you know, temperaments are different. This one, I'm telling you, I feel like he, he's, he's just, he's going to do something in life. You know what I mean? You know, you're kind of like, all right, all right, Lord, I'll deal with it as long as he becomes, you know, you know he's my retirement plan, right? You know, you're like, come on, you got to do something great. And so... Um, so, you know, he's, 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 you know, he's got his own opinion. And if you've ever met Winston, you know what I'm talking about. And he shrieks. He has like a scream that sounds like a banshee, just a just like something that's just not, it's, I'm not even sure it's holy, but it's just, ah, you know, just, ah. y'all want to help me real quick? I'll just kind of give you an idea. Everybody on the count three, just do your very best to shriek. Come on, we'll have some fun in here, y'all. Just, just don't, don't be weird about it on the count of three. Just shriek. Give me your best shriek. One, two, three. <laughs> well, that was okay. But, uh. It kind of sounds like that. And so, uh, you know, just, ah, just, ah, and he screams. And so um, um, the other day, I, we're in our room, and my sons are out there. And all of a sudden, I hear Winston scream. Ah! Screams. Ah! 
I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's Winston. He sounds like he's alive. He's doing okay. But then, but then he, he screams a different scream. Now, you all know what I'm talking about. There's a, there's, every kid has a different cry. There's cries are all different, right? Come on, parents. Screams are different. This one's a painful cry. So I'm walking. So I'm like, oh, man. So I open the door. I walk out. And my son, one of my older sons, is screaming at Winston. And he's mad. And he's yelling at him. And my little son is ah! And he's screaming back, you know. He doesn't know what he's saying, but he knows he's mad. And so they're mad at each other, and they're screaming. And and my son is like, you're in and he's mad at him. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, all right. So I got it. So my wife goes, and we, we divide and conquer. She takes Winston. I bring my son, my older son. Son, what are you doing? Like, you're older, right? Like, don't we all start with that? Like, you should know. What do we always say? You should know. Yeah, you should know better. He don't know better. He's a teenager. He don't get it. So he's like, I'm like, son, he's a little four. He's four. You're 13. Four, 13, four. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference in age. You should know better. And he said, dad, don't worry. I was taking care of it. It's between me and Winston. I said, okay. I said, but, but. You were yelling at him, and you were mistreating him, and you were treating him ugly and unkind. He said, but that's fine. It's between me and him. I said, that's where you're wrong. I said, here, here. And so if you missed it, and you checked out, and you're, you're thinking about food, lock back in. He said this. He said, I said to him, I said, son, how you treat Winston doesn't just affect you. Because I made Winston. Oh, and by the way, I made you. And so yours be, I said, I told him this, y'all. I said, I said, our statement, I said, be careful. Because how you treat him affects our relationship. You cannot treat my son that way and think it's just between you and him. Now, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying something. So he goes, he says, he says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Here's why it's shocking. Because most of us think that our actions are in a vacuum in this world. Right? You think that if you mistreat someone in your family, at HEB, at Walmart, at Target, at the grocery store, at the gas station, you think it's in a vacuum. We think, oh, it's just between me and them. And Jesus comes to remind us, and it shocks us, and he says, hold on, how you treat them, when he says it in other parts of the Bible, he says, how you treat them is how you treat me. And it affects our relationship. You're setting the rules for the game. Be careful. He said, for the way that you judge... You're going to be. It's like God sent Jesus to say, remember how you treat my kids will affect our relationship because I made them and I made you and it doesn't work like that. So it shocks us. This message today, just spoiler alert, you're not going to like. No one's going to amen this. You're not going to walk out of here going. I think I got this thing figured out. Most of us are going to walk out going, I'm in some trouble. 
Because if Jesus was to say that to us, let's say Jesus was teaching and we're up, you know, I'm sitting in there with you and he's teaching this to us. It would make us question. It would make us confused about what Jesus was saying. Then how do I deal with an opportunity to judge someone, God? How do I, what do I do? Like, what, what do you do? What, what do you, what do you do when faced with it? The world would give us two ways. First way I would describe is kind of like the more liberal view of things, not democratic, not, not our idea. I'm just talking about more freedom idea of it or more, more whatever goes. And, and so in their minds, it, when you think like that, you think when Jesus said don't judge, you, you heard never judge anyone at any time for any reason ever. And so what you use that and what I use that as, as a license to act and treat people any way I want. Because then I can say, I can do what I want and do what feels right, right? Because everything we, whenever we follow our feelings, good things always end up, right? Yeah, that's, no, no, it doesn't. So we use that and then we do something dumb and then we go, don't judge me. You don't know me, right? You don't know, you don't know my heart. You don't know, we use it. And then we even quote the scripture. The Bible said, don't judge. The Bible said, don't judge. Don't judge me. Or if you're not on that side, typically, and this is all determined a lot by what church you grew up in and what mama said and what grandmama said and what you heard and what you went through and all, all, come on, all these types of belief systems that you preconceived have in your heart. And so you think, don't judge. Or you're on the other side. And this is the funny side where I can get all the Christian religious people because they're super, super hyper Christian religious, religious, religious people who use the other side of it and say, what actually says you can judge as long as you're willing to be judged. And look, I'm willing to be judged because I got this thing worked out. I do everything right. I'm good. They ain't good. And I'm, since I'm good, I can tell who's not good. And so since I can tell, clearly since I can see sin and I know what their sin is, then I can judge them because I'm good. And it gives us license to judge critically of others. You ever been around that person? You have because it's in our church. It's in every church. We, we think that you got here on your own. You think you got to your, 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 your family on your own. We think we got to our successes on our own. We think we got to our, our, our hope and our mountaintop by yourself. It is by the grace of God, but God, that you are where you are. There's an old Texas proverb that says, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, no, he didn't get there himself. We all just some turtles. Just thanking God. Thank you, God, that you would even use me for anything. So which one is right? Which view? Should we judge? Should we not judge? Good question. Glad you asked. The answer is found in measure. Verse 2 says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged with the measure. Everybody say measure. He said, well, for the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, in the ancient world, this was interesting for them. They would have understood it in two ways. Uh, they would understand the scales and measuring and weighting based on two things. Number one, it would have been judgment because Job even talks about it. Weigh me in what? Honest scales and know that I am blameless. So measure me with honest scales, knowing that when you measure me, when you judge me, when you, when you weigh me, I can be weighed on honesty. And things would be good and, and there would be no foolishness going on. So he's saying there's even the Greeks have the, um, the, 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 the justice was a lady, blindfolded lady holding what? A, 
a scale. And so this is ancient talk here that Jesus is using. He's, he's talking to his audience. He's getting down to, the, down to the heart of it. But the second way was really used in the marketplace. And this is how it worked. It was interesting. They would use in a marketplace. How many of y'all like to shop? Anybody like to shop like me? Come on. We are a part of the, of the, of the you know, we just trying to keep the economy going. I am single-handedly trying to spend money. Anybody else? Anybody? Come on. Some, I got one, two. Anybody else? Three, four, five. If y'all want to take, we'll just do a shopping trip after this. We meet in the front and we will go down to La Cantera and we will have ourselves a day. And so anyway, he what he was saying is the marketplace was how they weighed it. And so let's say if you're going to the mall in that time, you're going to the Jewish Hebrew mall trying to get you some skinny jeans. What you would do is you would put your money, you would put your money on one side and it would weigh it. And then what they would do is they'd put the grain on the other side and it would they would put enough to where it would even out. But here's what was cool. If you went to a store or a merchant that actually was kind and loving and showed you favor, they'd give you just a little bit more. They would do stuff that they say they would tilt. Come on, y'all know this. They would tilt the scales in your favor. You, they would give you more, come on, than you paid for. And so what Jesus was saying is the God you and I serve always tends to give you more than you deserve, more than you paid for, more grace than you really should get. More things than you, if you really looked at your life, even if you might be in a valley, God's still giving you more than you deserve. When I look at my life and I look at my sin and I remember my failures, when I see all the things I did wrong and when I see all the things I said wrong and when I acted a fool and I did all the stuff that I should pay for, God seems to continue to pour the grace and the the favor and the life in my life. I can't seem to out sin God's grace. Anybody else? So, so he was saying, he was reminding you and I, remember the family? Remember daddy? He seems to give you a bunch of stuff you just don't deserve. Because you tilt the scales in your favor. A great rabbi in that season, in that time, talked. He said, judge each person with the scales weighted in their favor. This was a Hebrew thing even before Jesus was here. I know this because I went to, uh, I feel this, this store, there was a store. I went to the store one time. I love to shop like I told you and I went in and every time I go shopping, I go with a, uh, an intent in mind and here's my intent. Okay, doesn't matter where I go. I'm trying to beat the man and I'll show you what I mean by that. I'm trying to get a deal. I'll go in there with money budgeted. I work on a budget. I have money to spend, but I want to get as much as I can for the amount that I pay for. Anybody else? Any, anybody? Okay, good. So I went in there with the idea that I'm going to win. I'm going to tilt the scales in my favor. And today, this store is going to lose money because I shopped here, right? Like, I want to think like, that's how I think. So I'm sorry. I'm repenting. I'm not saying it's holy. So just, just who I am. Don't judge me. So, all right, so, 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 so I go in and I say, okay, I start just shopping and I'm throwing stuff in. I'm just bags. There's people all around me. I got five 
people wait. Not my, here, I'll take that. I'm going to do that one right there. That looks good. Yeah. And if you've ever been shopping with me, this is just how I roll. So I'm like, yeah, oh, that's good. Okay, all right, all right. Because I feel like, and I'm probably take back half the stuff because I have buyers or more. So anyway, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to do all this stuff. And I get all this stuff. And I get it to the t- register. And no lie, no lie, I get to the register and I'm nervous. And we go to the register and you're nervous. You're like, uh-oh, what did I just do? And so I'm like, okay, I'm sitting there. And the, she rings it all up. And she's like, you know, she says the amount. I'm not going to tell you because anyway. So she says the amount. And so I'm like, okay. And I'm like, all right. And so I pull out, I pull out my money and I pay for it. And she said, hey, by the way. You're here on the right day. I said, tell me. She goes, because you spent so much money, we're going to give you free stuff. And when I hear free stuff, y'all, does anything else happen inside of your brain like mine? Like when I hear free, I'm like, free stuff? What am I getting? And she gave me a, a towel and a, and a bag. And I'm like, this is amazing. And I walk out of the store and I'm showing my wife the towel and the bag. I go, babe, I got, she goes, what'd you get? I go, this towel and this bag, it was free. She goes, what about the stuff you buy? I go, who cares about that stuff? Do you hear what I'm saying? Free. They gave me more than I paid for. I went in and I gave them my money and they kept pouring the grain and tilted in my favor. That's my job every time I go shopping, whether I'm at H-E-B or I'm at the mall. And he was teaching us, wait it in their favor. Give, quite simply, when, when given the opportunity to be offended, y'all ready? Give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, I know that's not popular right now. What's popular is something happens and gives you an opportunity to be offended. You get so offended and you dig deep to make sure that thing ain't never come out. Because what you believe becomes what is true in your life. There's a great Hebrew um, parable. You've never even heard this because this is in the Talmud. And Talmud was the kind of the written um, version of the oral law that grew up with the Bible. It's a fascinating. I want to read this to you because it's really good. And... Um, uh, this, by the way, this for Jewish people and Hebrew people was the most coveted book, second only to the Bible. And so they write this as a, as a teaching. This is what the Hebrews used to be taught by the rabbis. And it says this, a man worked for three years on a farm. Three years, all right? And on the day that, of the atonement, which means the day he would be, get paid for all the years that he worked, uh, he went to his employer and asked for his wage to take home to his wife and children. The farm owner said to him, I have no money to give you. So the farmhand protested, well, then give me some of your crops I've helped grow. And the farmer said, I have none. And then he said, well, then give me some of the sheep that I helped raise. And the farmer said, I'm so sorry. I have nothing to give you. And the farmhand went home uh, dismayed and frustrated with nothing in his hand. After the holidays, the employer came to the farmhand's house with, with, this is what happens, okay? A couple months later, comes to his house with all of his wages, along with three carts full of extra, everybody say extra, extra gifts. They had dinner together and they ate and the farm owner asked, let me ask you a question, sir. He said, when I told you I had no money, what did you suspect? And he said, I thought you had a bargain and you used all your cash to buy it, just like Pastor Aaron. And he said, that's what I thought happened. I really thought that was what happened. He said, well, then what did you think when I told you that I had no crops? He said, I thought perhaps you had leased all those crops to everyone else and you didn't have them to give to me. And he said, what did you think when I said I had no animals? He said, I thought you have dedicated to them to the temple. I thought that you just didn't have it to give and the farmer answered him just this way 
That's exactly what it was. My son wouldn't study the scriptures on the day he came to me. I rashly dedicated all my possessions to God. I did not have it to give to you. But just a couple of days ago, I was absolved of my vow. So now that I get to pay you. And as for you, just as you have judged me favorably, may God judge you favorably. It's that when any situation in your life that you're presented with an opportunity to think less and to think worse and to think bad. And Pastor Aaron should have said that. And Pastor Aaron meant this. And my wife said this. And my husband did that. And our church and our community and our government and our world and the hospital and the restaurant and the Starbucks and the H-E-B people and the Walmart folk and the people who drive on the cars. Like anytime I get in those situations where I can be offended, wait a minute, I'm going to judge them favorably. Give them the best opportunity to believe the best. That's the type of church I want to grow up in. That's the type of church I want my church, my kids to grow up in. That's the type of church that I want to lead in. This is not just a message about what God wants. It's a message about what God wants in our church, in our DNA, in our spiritual family. So what was Jesus saying about judging? We should judge favorably with all people. Now, I'm going to give you three thoughts real quick as I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Three thoughts on judging um, that start with be careful because Jesus was saying, okay, yes, you can judge, but, but be careful. Okay, so, so we're going to have some fun just because, you know, that way I can keep you interactive. We're going to say, I'm going to give you the first three points all start with the words be careful. And y'all are going to say them for me on the count of three, okay? So we're going to start with point number one. One, two, three. All right, so the first one is be careful to judge actions and not intentions. Like, be careful. There's a di- isn't there a difference between seeing something that happened and calling out the heart behind what had happened? Because it's okay to judge something that was done to you and call it what it is. The only problem is, is you have to stop there because what our hearts and our flesh tend to do is they say, instead of them just, they didn't, they didn't just, they weren't just mean in that moment. They're now mean people. Do you see the difference? They didn't lie. They didn't just lie to me in that moment. Now they're liars. And so we do this naturally with people we like, by the way. You just don't, we don't do it with people we don't like. (laughs) We always think the best of the people that we like. You have that person in your life. Maybe you grew up with him, and he's obnoxious. He talks too much. He's annoying. Everybody knows it, but you don't see it, right? That family member, and if you don't know that person, it's probably you. And so, like, you, you, you give them grace. You're, oh, it's just they don't mean that. Oh, man, it's all good. And everybody else around you is like, this dude's obnoxious. Because you, you have moved from just like, that was obnoxious that he said. He's not obnoxious. He's working on it. I mean, he's got, we got to give him some grace. Come on. We got to just be not. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. There's a difference. And the last time I checked, it's not, it's not very um, easy to see somebody's heart. Is there a cardiologist in the room at, by any chance of the imagine? No. Oh, okay. I've noticed they even need instruments to see the heart. And my Bible says that God can only see the heart. That only God can see the true intention of people's hearts. You cannot assign intention to someone. We cannot and, and believe the best. You can't. Okay, I'm going to take you there. Y'all ready? Take you there. You're driving on 1604 in San Antonio. So if you're not, if you're watching online and you're in some other, we have people watching a different state and stuff. It's our freeway out here. All right? 
you're driving on the freeway, you're doing your thing, and, 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 and you are minding your own business. You love God. Maybe you're listening to worship music. Maybe you're on the way to church, and someone does the unthinkable and cuts you off. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know. At some point, right is right and wrong is wrong, right? And somebody needs to tell them right. I want to submit something to you, okay? I want to submit something to you. I want just for consideration. Maybe it's not personal. I know you thought they were waiting for you to drive out of your driveway. They had followed you long enough to make sure you were driving straight and then waited till the best possible moment for them to cut you off so that you can tell them how special they are in the numerical system and you can tell them and scream out your window how great of a driver they are and let them know exactly what kind of driver that they are. I know it's personal to you, but maybe it's not. Maybe they're just a bad driver. Maybe, 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 maybe. They were late. Has anybody been late before? Anybody? Was anybody late to church and just wants to admit it today? Come on, somebody. Anybody online? You're like, I just woke up. I'm just, just flipping through things. I wasn't even planning to go to church. And now I'm watching it because he's screaming at people. But all right, so y'all, maybe you've been late. Has anybody been late before and you drove a little faster than you should? Okay, I'm gonna, can I push it one more a little bit? I'm going to take it deeper. All right, just a little, little more personal. Maybe they had to go to the bathroom. Okay, right? Right? Has anybody had to drive fast because you had to go number one or number two and you just didn't know what was happening and nothing mattered to you? You don't even know what speed limits are. You're just like, get out of the way. You're praying the Moses prayer. Red Sea part. You know, you're just, get them out of the way, please. You don't understand. Come on, right? Maybe it's not personal. Maybe they have something going on. Maybe there's, you see how the difference, right? When, it, when you're able to look at it from a different side, I'm now, okay, look, may, I didn't want them to cut me off, but maybe they got something going on. Maybe there's something, and I don't need to take it personally. And if I think if we do that, you're, you're allowed to be careful to judge actions and non-intention. Number two, be careful to, to judge with you. Everybody say, be careful on three. One, two, three. Yeah, be careful. Be careful to judge with humility because James chapter 4 says that brothers do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother and judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment upon it. What he was mentioning, this is kind of a confusing scripture. But what he was mentioning was he was saying a lot of Christian people, a lot of people who call themselves godly, what they like to do is they like to compare them to other people. The only problem is, is the best way to live as a Christian is to compare your life to Jesus. It makes me feel good when I can compare my life and my sins to your sins. Because what I tend to do is I tend to do this. I tend to go, I look at your sins and all the things you struggle with that I don't struggle with. And I go, God, man, why you struggle with that? It's what keeps empathy out of your heart when somebody walks up to you and say, man, you know, you, I'm struggling with anxiety. And your, your ridiculous, super Christian response is, well, don't worry about that. Because you don't worry about it. You think there's nothing to worry about. 
Because you don't struggle with that sin. There's nothing to be. Why would you struggle with that sin? At least I don't do that. Or at least I don't, you know, you take the Ten Commandments, you start, you just, you start saying stuff like, well, at least I don't kill nobody. I might be in adultery, but I don't dishonor my parents. I might not dishonor, I mean, I might be dishonoring my parents, but at least I don't worship other gods. Do you see how we do it? It's gross. And so what we do is we walk in pride every time we start to compare my life and to your life, when really at the end of the day, the moment you compare your life to Christ, you walk around with a whole lot of humility going, I, 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 can I help you? Because I need some help. Because we all in the same boat. That's why the Bible says God opposes the proud. He, he opposes the proud. He, 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 he opposes them. That's why you should never... You don't know the whole story. There's a, a story that, that happened where there was a, a man and a woman on a train, and the man had f- three little kids with him, and the kids were running out crazy, rambunctious, rowdy, wilding out, out of control. Think of yourself as a restaurant, and you see kids running around. How many of y'all ever saw that before? Because that seems to happen everywhere in San Antonio. You know, when I walk into San, when I walk into a restaurant in San Antonio, I'm like, I can help you with all your kids. All your kids. I can help you be a better parent. I can help you get, get that kid under control. Because I'm a professional, right? And as I'm judging everyone else's kids, my kids are running around doing the same thing. You know, eating sugar packets all up under the table. Like, I don't know what's going on. But, but so this, this man is sitting, this kid's running around. And the woman is going to the next stop. And she's so mad that this guy won't get his kids under control because he's just staring out into the distance, not paying attention. Get to their destination. He gets up and grabs his kids together. And the lady, he looks at the lady and says, ma'am, I am so sorry about my kids. She goes, you should be. It would have been nice if you got them together. And he says, I, I, I know. I apologize. We're just coming from their mother's funeral, and I really don't know how we're, we're going to make it. And the story goes on to say that she, she, she said, man, I, I'm sorry, I didn't know the whole story. I mean, when you're prideful, you just look for people's issues. You look for ways that you would do what you would do. Come on, we all do it. But when you're humble, you, you just sit there. Maybe she could have, if she was humble in that moment, she could have said, I wonder if I could help. I wonder if there's more to the story. We need to ask ourselves that more, more often. When, you, when you're faced with the fence, maybe there's more to the story. Last one is this, and I'm done. Uh, on the count of three, we're going to say be careful one more time. One, two, three. Be careful that judging harshly darkens your heart. I've just noticed that when you are a harsh judger and you, are, you like judge harshly, you're always looking for somebody to judge at, uh, you are the most unkind, unhappy, unpleasant person to be around. I've never met anybody who said, you got to go hang out with this guy. He sees everybody and sees the worst in them all. It's amazing. You should hang out with him. He's so cool. doesn't happen. It darkens your heart. It makes you hypercritical, 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 hypercritical. You see what Jesus is talking about? Because when you're hypercritical of others, you miss out on all the issues that you got in your own eye. judging harshly makes you a complainer because you can never see anything good. Everything's wrong. You ever been with somebody, you're having a great time, and all they do are complain about all the wrong things. You're like, will you stop? Ain't nothing going to make you happy because you you judge harshly on people. It makes you thin-skinned because you sensitive. You like Marvin Gaye's song, we are all sensitive people, right? Come on, right, right? 
Y'all, we are all sin. You have thin skin. And you, we walk around you, and if something's not said just right, just in this, you put, and you, ouch! And you're like, we ain't going to be in a relationship. We just can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. You don't have any grace. You, you judge too harshly. Or, or, or um, I've noticed this. Judge, judge people who judge harshly are, are gossipers. They talk about, they're worried about everybody else's mess. I've never met a rich gossip. If you're too worried about other people's stuff, I've noticed you forget your stuff. I've never met them. They're always, their life seems to be always circling down a drain. And so their wife is circling down a drain. They look for everybody else's life, and they start talking. But did you see their life is circling down a drain? And then their life is, you see what I'm saying? Because when you judge harshly, you're looking for always the negative. Or, or I always tell people this. If I could give one piece of marriage advice, it would be um, to, 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 to just consistently judge favorably with your spouse. If you do the opposite, it creates a miserable marriage because they can never do anything right. So it could be a challenge today for you husbands or wives. If your husband does something halfway what he tried to do for you, instead of starting off with, you did it wrong. Come on. You should have done. I'm so guilty of this. That's good, babe, but you completely missed the point. Come on. Anybody else? It makes you miserable because you're, you judge harshly. We need to learn to sow seeds of judging favorably. I'm, I'm done. I promise I'm done. Luke chapter 6 says this. says give. Uh, now, we as pastors, we only use this when we're, we're preaching about money. But that's a, um, a very shallow teaching of this verse. He says, give and it will be given to you. He doesn't say money. He's, okay, yeah, that says the same thing. He said, give. Give hope. Give grace. Give love, give kindness, give peace, give truth. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure. There's our word again. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and it will fill into your lap for the measure you use it, the measure you give, the measure you, 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 you sow into your life and the people. It will be brought back to you. So some of us need to sow the seeds of judging favorably so that you don't miss out on what God's trying to do inside of your life. There's a famous author who um, he had uh, about, it's probably his heyday, you know, his most popular moment was about 20 years ago. His name's Chuck Swindoll. Brilliant author. I'd highly encourage you to go read his books and great Christian godly man. He used to do conferences on a regular basis. There was one conference he was telling a story about how he went to a conference and before the conference he was doing like a meet and greet and this wife and a husband comes up and the husband kind of looked aloof a little bit but his, his wife started talking. He said, hey, we're so good. Thank you so much for doing this conference. Uh, Dr. Chuck, we, we just so, so honored. This is a bucket list item for us. We are, we are, we, this, you don't know, we've been planning, saving, preparing, we've been praying, we read all your books, we read, we listen to you every day, we're so excited, we're so excited. 
He's like, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. So he starts his three-day conference, and every day, who wouldn't you know it, they're sitting right in the front row center, front row center. He's like, oh, that's cool. He starts teaching, and no lie, the moment he starts teaching, the man dozed off. And he's giving it the, his best shot. He's preaching. He's loving. He's getting, And the man's just sleeping. I mean, snoring loud. He's sleeping in the front row. And uh, every day he thinks, well, maybe he's just tired. He's going to get the next day. Guess what happened? He's sleeping. Third day happens. Guess what? He's sleeping. At, by the third and almost the last thing Chuck said, I started to get upset where I almost rebuked him in the middle of my conference. He's sitting on the front row and you're sleeping. I mean, some of y'all do that in here. That's why I scream, trying to wake you back up. So it's like, you're sleeping. Why are you sleep? Wake up. He gets so mad. He said, I got so mad in my heart. I was angry. It threw me off. He said, it threw me off of my teaching. And I was like, man, wow. And he goes, so the conference ends, and he's signing books at the end of his conference. And the wife comes up. The man's not there. Wife comes up. Doctor, we just wanted to say thank you so much. You don't know. We've saved up for years to come to this conference and to do this. This, this. this is amazing. Thank you so much. And she said, by the way, I wanted to apologize for my husband. And he goes, oh, what happened? She, she said, he, he's been diagnosed with terminal cancer. He's about a week left to live. And the medication he's on causes him to come in and out of major bouts of drowsiness. So he sleeps and this was the last thing on his bucket list he wanted to do before he was going to die. Thank you for creating an opportunity for him to meet his hero. And Chuck said this. He said, this is um, amazing statement. He said, I had judged my brother and I was as wrong as I could possibly have been. I wonder... I wonder if there's times in your life where maybe we just don't see the whole story. I wonder if there's just a, hey, I'm going to need it from time to time. I might say something up on this platform that did not come out right. I know you're going to need it. You know, my prayer is that we could be a church that could just give grace in un wavering ways that makes people go there's something different about you and Jesus was teaching like judge favorably give him the benefit of the doubt you might not know the whole story and I think the reason he was saying that is because when we do that come on how you treat my kids affects our relationship and God's saying don't set the rules that tight you need grace so give grace Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you that today, Lord, you've given us something inside of our lives and inside of our hearts, inside of our minds that will free us from the chaos of pride and arrogance that we know better. And maybe, maybe, maybe just one step today could be us just judging favorably and not taking justice into our own hands. Maybe, maybe you are in control. Maybe you're working all things together for our good.